Well, great day to you. This is Dale Bader, and welcome to yet another edition of Focus on Fertility. Today, we have a special guest on a very special topic. Uh, we've talked in the past about some science and technology, but today we're going to be talking more about the mental health that individuals have to deal with also when dealing with uh, trying to become pregnant and having those difficulties and going through infertility. Today, we're going to be joined by Dr. Stephen Mitchell. Dr. Mitchell is a licensed professional counselor and licensed marriage and family therapist. He received his Master's of Arts in Counseling and Master's of Divinity from Covenant Theological Seminary, and he completed his doctoral studies through the Medical Family Therapy Program at the School of Medicine at St. Louis University, where his research actually focused on how miscarriage impacts a couple's relationship. Along with his wife, they help provide self-help and counseling services. And so that leads us right into today's topic, which is coping, and especially coping as individuals and as couples after a miscarriage or pregnancy loss. So, Dr. Mitchell, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Dale. I, I appreciate you having me, me here today. Can you give us a little bit of background? Uh, how did you get into the field of wanting to help others with self-help and therapy, and specifically, how did it get down to the point of looking and doing research with regards to miscarriage? Um, well, sure. So I uh, have been working actually as a, a therapist for about five years after I finished my graduate program, and um, then my wife and I, and uh, our first pregnancy, um, we were uh, 14 weeks pregnant, um, and at that point we miscarried. And uh, what we realized is it had such a profound impact um, just on our relationship with one another. We were both uh, really struggling differently. Um, and, you know, my wife, Erin, um, what I noticed is because, um, you know, pregnancy is um, so connected to a woman's body and uh, so many changes are taking place. There, there was, uh, her grief seemed very different uh, than my grief um, simply because I, I wasn't the one who was pregnant. And um, there were often times where we, we struggled just to, to connect with one another and to understand one another's experience. And so when I came uh, into uh, my doctoral program, my doctoral work at St. Louis University, I uh, was looking for uh, topics to research, and um, oftentimes you research things that are really personal to you, and um, miscarriage had been something that was really personal to us. And so I, I thought, you know, um, and also as a marriage and family therapist, I said, you know, I, I really think that this impacts couples in a very significant way, but I didn't really hear much about it. Um, it seemed to be this silent thing. And so um, that is what brought me to, to think about researching and trying to understand uh, the difficulties that other couples might be having in a way to understand my own, uh, but then also to help um, couples uh, be able to still feel close and connect in the midst of that. You know, I think a, a miscarriage, from a lot of people that I've talked with who have gone through it, it still seems sort of taboo. You know, people don't necessarily want to talk about it, don't want to let others know that they've been through it, but you know, miscarriages, and the true definition of a miscarriage is a pregnancy loss prior to the 20 week of gestation. And it's relatively common, uh, and most people may not realize it, but the estimates are around 20% of all known pregnancies end in a miscarriage. And 
that could rate could even be higher because a lot of individuals may not even know that they were pregnant before they had the miscarriage. And I was looking at some of the statistics that are most recently available out there. And in 2016, the Centers for Disease Control, the CDC, reported nearly 4 million U.S. births. And if you take that 20% estimate, that's about 800,000 potential miscarriages that took place across the United States. So this is definitely impacting a lot of individuals, and unfortunately for some individuals, multiple times. So what are the initial steps of coping that individuals should be doing or even taking into consideration after they've had a miscarriage? Well, I think you make a a wonderful point um, that miscarriage is the most common type of pregnancy loss. Um, And I think that the first step is that um, to break that silence. Um, I think a lot of um, couples feel like they're the only ones. Uh, No one one else is experiencing this. Um, And what I find... Um, to be really helpful is that couples talk about it, um, and that can be really that can be really uh, frightening. Um, some people are like, "Well, I don't know how to talk about it. Um, I don't know if this uh, should be a big deal or not." Um, and I think there's there's many avenues uh, that people can take in terms of just beginning those conversations. First of all, I think that uh, the couple themselves needs to have conversations about their experience and about how they're. Um, Grieving, I think um, some people uh, feel that in a couple relationship, your experiences or grief experiences have to match. Um, so I have to feel the way that my partner feels um, about this. And I think that at times that causes people to be hesitant um, because, I, as I said, you know, it, in um, kind of heterosexual relationships, you know, for a, a man and a woman, there is um, – this component of not having experienced the same things um, that a female partner might have experienced for the male. And so there's this sense of like, oh, I can't, I can't say anything um, uh, about how I feel because she seems to feel really impacted and, and I feel impacted, but not as impacted. And, and there's a lot of measuring one another's experience that goes on. Yours is worse than mine or yours is less than mine. And I think that one of the main things that is helpful for couples is to not do that, but to simply sit down and talk about that. And they can do that together with one another. Uh, they can do that in a more professional setting, like with a, uh, a therapist. Uh, there's miscarriage or in, and infertility support groups um, in the area uh, here in St. Louis that they, um, where they could find an avenue to go and sit with other people who have experienced those same things. Um, you know, for those who are part of a a faith community that could go and speak with their uh, faith leader, um, or maybe um, they have a uh, community and the, uh, their friends, family, whatever it might be, but uh, just a simple step of just talking. Um, and I think what happens is people kind of go within and there's a lot of silence, and that's how you get um, this stat where it's like, wow, this is a really common loss but no one really seems to know that except people who have had, had it. Right. Had it. Um, right. So I think that that's one of the first steps um, that I would say. When you talk to patients, do you uh, try to explain that, you know, from all the research that I've been able to read, that it appears that, you know, miscarriage is actually a natural mechanism, mechanism that the body's doing to reject something that probably wasn't successful in the first place. Even though you were, quote-unquote, pregnant, 
may not have been a true viable pregnancy and that it's just the body but I know that's got to be tough for people to take but do you talk about that well, most certainly and, and oftentimes um, that is how um, doctors um, would describe a, a miscarriage um, to a patient and they would say um, you know exactly those words you know this is um, your body's way of indicating that perhaps something um, wasn't going to go well with the pregnancy or um, as they would say you know the fetus um, wasn't fully developing like it should um, and that can be really comforting um, to to some patients I, I really think it can I've spoken with some patients who really felt um, they felt they, they were they were sad and yet at the same time they felt that maybe they had been um, preserved from uh, maybe a different kind of difficulty uh, in the future. And then uh, I've talked to other patients who are like, that is not, that's not comforting for them. Uh, for them, it's still, you know, we, we lost a child and we, we lost um, a baby that we are looking forward to uh, no, matter, um, no matter what might have happened, if, if, you know, it would have had... Um, some kind of developmental issues, or, or even if it, um, the pregnancy um, hadn't carried um, through to full term, there's still that sense of, um, you know, we lost something we were really, really hoping for. And so, and again, I think that that speaks to the point of individuals experience miscarriage very differently. There's not, there's not one way to experience it. Some, some. Uh, couples have a miscarriage and they don't experience it as a significant loss. They, they experience it more as like, okay, that was um, uh, more of a kind of a medical event, just the way my body was reacting. And then there's others who, who really feel like, you know, we've lost a child, we, we've lost a baby. And so uh, I think definitely that's another part of, of, in terms of coping for couples, is trying to understand like, how are you defining what's happened? What is the meaning that you're finding here um, in, in the, the event that's taken place? And so, um, you know, I think that that's, a, that's another important component in working with couples. Do you notice any specific difference um, from patient to patient? Obviously, there's the patients that have been trying at home, may have been naturally just conceived. This is their first miscarriage, um, and then they're going to go right back and try again. Uh, to those who have gone through more advanced reproductive technologies and obviously the cost, the emotions of just going through that cycle and then having a miscarriage, do you notice a difference in the way people tend to handle things at those levels uh, versus, or is it more uniform? Um, I, I definitely, uh, in the couples that I um, interviewed and spoke with who uh, had gone through some of the uh, the interventions, uh, IUI, IVF, um, uh, even taking medications like Clomid and things like that to, to try and uh, support uh, their fertility. Um, there's definitely, I don't know if I, if I would say an intensity of um, this feels worse than someone who had naturally gotten pregnant and miscarried. I think that, again, that's, uh, that's specific to each couple. But I definitely sensed just a, there was, in a sense, this great burden of uh, we have been trying so hard in so many different ways, getting our hopes up and then having them dashed. And that, uh, 
that process um, I, I noticed in couples was just really, really wearisome. Uh, and couples would just talk about the back and forth. Uh, uh, some of our, uh, one of my couples in particular that I spoke with, they, de they define it as like it's just this roller coaster. It's yeah. just up and down, up and down. Um, and there's also a sense of when does it end? You know, when, when are we not going to be on this roller coaster right. anymore? And, you know, there might be a couple who had um, initially were able to get pregnant through IVF and they thought, okay, the roller coaster is, is ending and then there's a miscarriage. Okay. And it's like, oh, the roller coaster's begun again. And so I, I think that there's definitely um, just a, um, an intensity and a weariness and, and a heaviness um, that I notice with couples who um, had experienced miscarriage um, after having tried uh, to do some of those medical interventions compared to um, the, the couples who had not gone that route. So, Are there certain tips um, that you can give for someone who's recently gone through a miscarriage, uh, from example, and I guess maybe being a little more specific from the female side to the male side, obviously you see that there's a definite difference between the way. So are there any initial tips you would give to a female partner and then to a male partner? Yeah, I, I think for a female partner, I would definitely say um, that their feelings of guilt, their feelings of shame, uh, their depression, all of those things are not bad. Uh, they are not wrong. Um, they are a really natural response um, to what's happened. Um, and I think oftentimes female um, partners that, that I've seen, they, they begin to even feel shame and embarrassment about feeling those things. And, um, and I think that what I would want um, those uh, women to know is that uh, they don't have to be silent. Um, that they, there are places where they can find other women who are experiencing some of those same things um, and that it is good for them to acknowledge them and to, and to speak with other women about that. And, um, you know, depression and anxiety are, are definitely going to be part of this process and that, that's okay. Um, and there's, there's avenues and ways for um, those women to be helped in terms of you know, therapy, support groups, uh, even, you know, it can be helpful um, to take some uh, medications, although it, you get into a sticky place there because you're trying to get pregnant, and so you don't want to be taking psychotropic medication while you're, you know, in case you do get pregnant. And so um, there might be some more mindful or natural ways um, to address some of those things as well. But uh, I think a lot of women just feel like they're not okay and they're wrong, and something's broken, and um, I, I think that my message to them would be like, that is normal to feel that way, um, and uh, there are avenues uh, for them to be able to express that and not have to be silent and, and suffer. Um, and, and I know that that seems like a tall order, um, but, but I find that women who are able to do that um, a lot of the women who uh, participated in my research project, they had come to a point where they said, you know, I no longer want 
to be silent about this. And part of their healing and part of their empowerment was to say, and so I said yes to this research project and I will sit down with you and I will talk to you about this because I want other women to know um, about my experience. You're not alone. Um, and so uh, I think that's what I would say for women. And I think for men, um, what I would say um, is that you don't have to set aside um, your experience um, to care for your partner only. I, and, and I understand that tendency. What, what I noticed is that men did feel um, connected to the, to the, whether it was the infertility journey or whether it was the miscarriage, they were having an experience. But because they saw their wife suffering physically, um, they felt like her experience was more important and needed more attention. Um, and, and, and it might, it, there, there might be moments, you know, in the, in the midst of a, of a miscarriage, yeah, you know, you got to um, go to the doctor maybe. There, there's things that have to be done physically uh, for their partner. But at the same time, um, I think that also caused the men to think, and so that means what's happening for me needs to take a back seat. Um, and uh, I think that then culturally people begin to look at men and say, oh, well, they, it, it's not as important to them or it's not as significant. Um, and and you, you would hear men say, you know, uh, family and friends would come and ask my wife how she was doing, but they wouldn't ask me. Um, and that to me just meant that I was just supposed to be okay. And, and, and I would say to men that, doesn't have to be the case. You can have an experience too. And uh, men need to talk about these things as well and seek out those same avenues. The same avenues that are present for women are present for men, whether it's therapy or support groups, or even just finding fellow um, friends who have experienced that. I found that men uh, who were able to find other peers who had experienced that informally, whether it was at work or maybe in their family, really benefited from just talking to that person uh, and hearing about their experience. Men and so, don't always have to be the rock. No, that men, men don't always have to be the rock. Um, and uh, that's another part of this. You know, in, in any kind of grief for couples, every, there's like this taking turns that takes place. You know, sometimes one partner feels stronger than the other, and that's, that's okay. It, and men need to not always feel like they're the one who has to be the, be the strong. Like they can take turns at, at, at struggling as well um, and giving their partner an opportunity to, to be strong and care for them. So, At what point would you really recommend uh, an, either an individual or a couple or maybe something that the – individual themselves can recognize or their loved ones can recognize is a step that they need to take it maybe a little further with regards to their coping. I, I understand even when we see patients on an infertility side of things, some patients are able to handle their infertility journey a lot differently than others, but there's a, for some, there's a point where they need additional support. Who would you say, or what, when do they need to be doing that? Yeah, I, I think that, um, Definitely the, the avenues of, uh, as I mentioned earlier, you know, the support groups or the faith communities or the work communities or the neighborhoods, you know, as people can definitely be supported uh, by friends and family, and that is a significant um, aid to their coping. People need that. 
Um, I do think that there are moments when uh, maybe more professional help, uh, going to see a therapist or going to see psychologist or psychiatrist is important. And I think that in terms of the couple itself, I would say um, if there if there's just a continued and repeated heightening of conflict um, between one another, and, and what I mean by conflict, it doesn't always have to mean arguments or disagreements. It could also just mean if, when the couple begins to feel like they are becoming more and more distant from their partner. Um, and, and I generally think that these things are – kind of become aware of them as a couple about six months to 12 months in. Um, I think that, uh, you know, six months in, kind of the initial shock of what's happened has, has begun to wear off um, in a way, not completely, just in a way. And, and then you begin to kind of get into your daily routines of being together. And what couples begin to notice is they're not able to be together like they used to. And, and if there is an inability to talk about that, that will just continue to erode. And, and you can be a year or two years down the road and be like, wow, I don't feel close to my partner at all. Um, and so I, I think that if couples really have this sense of, I feel really far away from you as my partner, um, that's a, that would be a time uh, to come and sit down with someone who can uh, facilitate uh, in a, in a, I guess in a professional manner, um, that hopefully that movement back to, uh, towards connection, um, and and so I would say say that for couples, and then I think individually, I really I really think that depression is probably one of the most significant psychological results of something like a miscarriage and just the, the continued prolonged infertility journey. And so depression, um, you know, there's, there's definitely all levels and kind of it's on a continuum. But I think when people begin to uh, really have difficulty um, uh, being able to enjoy life. So, you know, depression... People can be depressed and, but still enjoy their family or their friends or their work. And, you know, they, they have days that they're down, but there's still other days that they're, they're enjoying what's, what's taking place. But I think if people really begin to see that they're, they're just losing um, their ability to enjoy uh, things like friends and family or work or even just a, a night out or a movie, um, the, I think that that, is, that could be a good indication that maybe – um, they should seek um, some counsel uh, because I I think that that that's just an indication that um, they are they're coming to a place where they're really withdrawing withdrawing and isolating um, and you know this is already a silent and isolating experience infertility and miscarriage and that just kind of causes them to go deeper into that and so that might be one indication um, now when that happens you know that's different for everybody you know someone could feel like a month in like hey I'm doing that and need help others might feel like you know it's been a year or a year and a half and I, I I'm just not I feel like I'm, I'm I'm getting worse and worse not getting better um, then that would be the time. So everyone has to be able to judge that for themselves or, or listen to their community. And if there's other people who are saying, you know, hey, you you don't seem like yourself and you, you seem like you're really struggling, um, those might be indications that they should seek some some more intensive help.
Dr. Mitchell, this has been uh, very empowering and uh, very helpful, hopefully, for many of you that have been listening today. And if you would like to speak with Dr. Mitchell and maybe ask him some questions or seek out even his advice, uh, you can definitely visit him at mitchellcounselingandconsulting.com. We'll have a link to that within the show notes on the focusonfertility.net webpage. Dr. Mitchell, thank you again for joining us today. Thank you very much, Dale. I really appreciate the opportunity. If you've been trying to start your own family and haven't had success, you're not alone. Millions of people just like you are experiencing the same very personal and painful frustration. Infertility affects men and women equally. The Missouri Center for Reproductive Medicine, MCRM Fertility, can help. MCRM accepts most insurance and you don't need a referral. They offer the most advanced science and technology, including exclusive techniques and the embryoscope. Check them out at mcrmfertility.com. And that will conclude today's episode of Focus on Fertility. Thank you once again goes out to Dr. Stephen Mitchell for joining us and talking about uh, coping with miscarriages and mental health. Anytime you have questions that you might would like to have answered, maybe those are specifically for Dr. Mitchell. You can email me at questions at focusonfertility.net. We'll make sure to get those questions answered for you. You can also send us suggestions of topics that you would like to hear covered right here on Focus on Fertility. All of our previous episodes are available online at focusonfertility.net and also via iTunes, Google Play, Podcast One, and iHeartRadio. So be sure to tune in each week. We look forward to talking to you again next week. Thank you, and have a safe week until then.